Please like Input GR on Facebook. We so appreciate your support. Welcome to Input GR, a podcast by Dunamis Media. Hey folks, Bruce with Dunamis Media, and welcome to Input GR, where we ask for your input so we can have a better outcome. And today, joining us is Carlos Cece. He's a professional singer. He sings all over the world, and he made his debut at Carnegie Hall in 2005. And we're going to talk to Carlos and hear his story. But before we get to Carlos, I need to mention the Grand Rapids business of the day, and that's Larry Martin of Keller Williams. Larry uh, has been serving the West Michigan area for over 28 years, and he's very reputable. He has over 500 reviews on Zillow. And if you want to buy or sell your home, uh, feel free to give Larry a call. His number is 616-532-7200, or you can contact him at LarryMartin.com. And at the end of this podcast, as tradition, I always ask my guest a Michigan trivia question. So, Carlos, welcome. How are you? Doing great, my friend. Thank you for having me. Really a pleasure to be with all of you, and so I'm looking forward for this opportunity. Oh, great. So, tell us a little bit about your story, where you were born. Let's start with that, where you were raised. Right. I was born in New York City, in um uh, the city, a beautiful city of the Big Apple, but my parents are Puerto Rican, so after I was uh, three years old, they moved back to Puerto Rico, and uh, that's what I got my accent, my beautiful accent, so okay. although I was born here in the United States, I consider myself a New Yorican, okay. which means I was born in New York <laughs> and raised up in Puerto Rico, so that's, <laughs> that's how I call myself, New Yorican, okay. so, so I would... I, I was born there, so going back to Puerto Rico, where I have lived probably half of my life. Now I've been living here in Michigan for 20 years, which okay. is uh, very lifting for my life. And, you know, loving the four seasons that we do right here. Mm-hmm. And I do love them. Uh, everybody says that I'm not a Puerto Rican anymore because I lost my color in my skin, too. So <laughs> <laughs> I become whiter and whiter and whiter. Uh-huh. And uh, the, and they call me here in Grand Haven, they call me Van Cesar, like a Dutch last name. So <laughs> my, my friends are. That's so funny. That, that's how I, I became uh, to to be a Spanish speaker first and uh, an English speaker. So. It's great. It's great to be with you, and it's great to be in this beautiful land that we call home. Well, I'm glad you like Michigan. You know, a lot of people, we get these, some people, they say, oh, I'd like to move out of here, you know. And I say, well, you know, we, we have to put up with winters, but this last winter wasn't too bad, was it? No, no, no. And I always say, you know, you can never remove yourself from where God is blessing you. That's a good point. It's very important that, you know, you have to stay where, where you see the blessings of God coming into your life, into your family into your business you have to be very careful when you're going to make a move because uh you might be uh putting an obstacle to those blessings that are coming to you in the place that you are unless god tell you it's time to move right and unless you know you talk to your family and things like that so the reason i stay here and we put with uh uh, hard winter sometimes this year we had a mild winter which it was good Mm -hmm. and i feel sorry for the people who their work is it's doing snow plows, you know, and taking care of the winter. It was a hard winter for them to do a living. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the other people that like us, we, we consider it was a mild, mild winter and we are really appreciative of that. We wish that the people who 
do a living by taking care of us during the winter. Right. Who had a better opportunities, but you know that's how things go. Sometimes, sometimes you get a lot of snow. Sometimes you don't have snow here in Michigan, mm -hmm. so you can never predict what is going to happen. But I love the winters. You know, I love to go cross country ski. It's a great mm -hmm. exercise for me. I only did it one time this winter, mm -hmm. but uh, I have learned to adjust to any situation that you are in. Because if you don't adjust to change change is going to roll over you. So right. that is very important for me to to understand the seasons and to adjust to those seasons. That's a good point. And you, what you're saying too is, um, you know, you, you wherever God's called you to be, you know, and, and it's amazing that when he does that, you're content, aren't you? Yes. Yes, because you see, you see the resources that he brings into your life. You see the relationships that he brings into your life. And then you see how everything, like uh, when you keep walking in that path, all the things that are the provision to help you to conquer your purpose, uh, they come to you in, in a matter that you don't have to fight them. They just come to you because you are following God's purpose for your life. And then it's, uh, I'd say, easier. You know, it's not easy, but I'd like to use that word. Because mm -hmm. once you are in the path following God's purpose, it's just all the resources comes to you. You don't have to go to them, so you don't have to maintain things. Mm -hmm. You got access, total access to everything that God is put in front of you to mm -hmm. fulfill your purpose. Amen. That's good. Well, let's get into your, um, let's talk about your singing. Um, you have been singing all over the world uh, with famous opera singers. And uh, I would like to ask you, what got you interested in singing opera? Well, you know, that's a great story. Um, I was very shy, shy to sing in front of people. I never sang in front of people because when I was very little, you know, I was probably nine, ten years old. I got up in my church to sing. And uh, the pastor of that church at that time uh, told me not to do that anymore. Because he said, you know, uh, I, I know you love to sing. Probably I didn't sound very well for his taste, or maybe he didn't want a child getting up, you know, and singing in adult uh, service. So that discouraged me a lot. So what I did, I never sang in public for nine years until I was 21. So that kept me out of the, of the loop of singing in public, but I keep doing it in private. So the reason I became an opera singer and interested in opera was I was playing the guitar in a, in a band and we were doing a wedding and the singer just before we were going to do our part in the wedding, uh, he got sick. He developed like a, probably a laryngitis right there. So they already paid me my $20 at that time. I wasn't going to get them back because I need them. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking about 1981, $20 for me was a lot of money. So I said, I know the song and I do it. And they said, Carlos, we never hear you singing. So I did the rehearsal with them and they said, oh yeah, you're gonna do this. So I did the song and in the audience, sitting down in the audience was the, the head person of the voice department of the Conservatory of Music. And then they offered me a scholarship. I accepted. And then I became from down there seeking to be a professional opera singer. 
And that was uh, next week I'm going to be celebrating 37 years wow. since I did my professional debut. All because somebody was sick. Every, because every, someone was sick, yes, and I, I don't want to give my $20 back. That's, that's incredible. <laughs> wow, what an opportunity. That's so fantastic. Yes. That's great. Yes. Um, and you, you know, you, in your bio, you said that you were born to sing. When did that revelation mm-hmm. come to you? Well, you know, you like everybody else, you doubt sometimes what you were born to do, what it is your purpose in your life. Mm-hmm. So that is the vision for my life. You know, I was born to sing. It's five words, but they keep me on my lane and keep me on track. So that happened one day I was doubting if I can do this for a living. So I stood up in front of the mirror. I look at Carlos down there and I said, Carlos, you were born to sing. And from that day on, I knew that if I can repeat that phrase to myself over and over, I will achieve what I was born to do because I knew that I was born to sing because every time I sing, I can see how I change the environment and how I change how people uh, were feeling at that moment. So I knew that through my voice, I can do been doing an impact and influence people to to at least for that moment that they are listening to you, so you can get them to to go to another uh, part of the world of an environment that they can feel secure, safe, and that they can have an encounter with themselves. And maybe you can change their attitude of life at that moment when you are singing to them. So I discovered that. And then I said, well, you were born to sing, let's do this. And it reinforced my my belief on myself that I was uh, gifted to do that. So by saying that, it gave me direction and a certainty that um, what I was doing is what I was called to do. Awesome. Um, you sing all over the world. Uh, do you see that as a calling? You said that you feel called to do that, but you, do you see it as a ministry? Because there's times you, you'll do secular music. How do you bring ministry into that? Yeah, I never have seen sacred or secular words apart. For me, I know many people have a different opinions and I respect that for for my sight, for my uh, purpose. I, I cannot see it different because it's like my private life and my public life I want. I don't have a private life and I don't have a public life. I have a life mm-hmm. to live. Okay. So for me, I, I cannot separate secular or, or sacred music because both ways what I'm singing in the what the people will call the secular world or the sacred world, I'm doing it for God, for Jesus. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where I'm doing. Yeah. Everything that I'm doing, everything that I'm living by, I'm doing it for the Lord. So he can be pleased because he chose me to send me at this time on earth to do a purpose for him and to bring glory bring glory to him. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter when I sing Besame Mucho, which is Kiss Me A Lot, it doesn't matter when I sing How Great Thou Art. For me, both are the same because uh, uh, love is inspired by God. And uh, uh, God, you know, I'm talking about the, the glory of God is the same thing for me. So I, I learned that from that verse that said whatever, when the, the Holy Spirit told Peter, whatever I have cleansed, 
don't ever call it, you know, unclean and mm -hmm. things like that. So we as sons of God, we clean things mm -hmm. when we when we sing them, when we do that. So the same way I sing in a church is the same way I sing at Carnegie Hall because I'm doing it for the Lord. And then although the audience might be different, they have the same common denominator that is both are suffering. Mm. So I sing to people who are suffering. My my auditorium, uh, my stage is full of people who are suffering. That mm. can be in the church or that can be in the world. So my point of view is to sing is just I sing for people who are suffering mm. and for people who needs to be uh, having a, uh, a change of attitude, having a change of environment. So for me, it, I don't differentiate uh, secular or sacred music because in my experience, uh, I am one and I'm a whole one. So music for me, it, it cannot, I cannot divide it into that because it's like my life. You know, many artists said you respect my private life. I don't have a private life. Because I gave that when I decided to be a singer. Sure, sure. And and before that, you know, I should be the same way that I'm in private. I should be the same way that I'm in public. Mm -hmm. So I should have a one character, not two character for whatever I am in, in the environment that I am. So I understand when people say the differential between sacred and secular. I respect that, their opinion. But in my case, that doesn't work for me. Well, that's a good point. I mean, you, sometimes we um, will look at a business as secular when mm -hmm. we forget that that business owner was called to do what he's doing. And then we somehow take a, a pastor or something. What he's doing is sacred. So mm -hmm. understanding that if God's called him to be a business owner, then, you know, he's a business owner. But if you're in the context of singing, you're bringing, even though it may be a secular quote unquote song, it's you're bringing... Um, God's purpose to them, aren't you? Yes, yes, well defined. I, I agree what you said, because I am the one who determined the holiness in whatever I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Because if I'm called to be holy, that means that everything that I'm doing has to be holy too. Yes. And that's what the Holy Spirit yes. helps me to achieve uh, that task. So when I'm singing, Besame, Besame Mucho, it's the same uh, let's say the same attitude, the same feelings, emotion that I have when I sing, then sings my soul, because my source is God. Mm -hmm. The source of my singing, yeah. the source of my songs is God. So I'm singing to the creator of music and things like that. Now, there is music that doesn't glorify God. I will never do that music. Right, right. Very well said, very well said. Um, getting, staying on with hymns, and I heard you mention how great thou art. It's one of my favorites too. As a matter of fact, I had that on a CD I, I produced in, in 2011, and that's one of my favorites. It was one of my dad's favorites. Um, is that your favorite hymn, or do you have any other particular favorites? No, that's my favorite one. As a matter of fact, that's the last song that I do at any of my concerts. Mm. Uh, Carnegie Hall or at a church is the same. I always end with How Great Thou Art. So there are two songs that I always end my concert. Uh, it's Nessun Dorma, and then the last one is How Great Thou Art, mm. which is a great combination, putting together what the people call secular world and a sacred world together. Mm. So Nessun Dorma for the tenor is like the How Great Thou Art for the tenor in a church. 
So when I sing Nessun Dorma, it's like like I'm singing how great thou art in a church, that everybody knows it, everybody likes it. Mm -hmm. So Nessun Dorma is that in the secular world, which means nobody sleep, and then how great thou art. Those are my last two songs that I always do, and um, I do it because both of them are the climax of each repertoire. Mm. That's amazing. So tell me a little bit about um, some of the singers you've sung with or some of them maybe perhaps you haven't sung with. Tell me um, who inspired you to sing. Do you have any people that you admire? Yes, I have two friends. Uh, one already has not with off is the great tenor Luciano Pavarotti. Mm -hmm. He was a great mentor to me. Um, I, I never have the opportunity to sing with him in stage. Mm. Uh, because we we never we never did concerts together, but we sang a lot in uh, you know what he was teaching me, and where we are doing coachings and and in competition that he was a judge at that time, so he worked with me. He uh, uh, taught taught me so many things. The other singer that he was a great mentor to me, and that one uh, we shared the stage with him. We sing with him a lot. It's a uh, the great Spanish tenor Placido Domingo who became my mentor and my teacher. Mm. And um, he, he taught me probably everything about singing and everything about the business of singing too. So he was a great mentor. So those two are persons that I refer them as a mentor. Mm. Then I have sang with uh, great sopranos like Mirella Freni, just died two weeks ago, one of the greatest voices in opera. Eva Marton, uh, Veronica Villarroel, uh, the list is amazing, and uh, another basis like Justino Dia, Nicolai Juraf, um, Furlanetto, and baritones like uh, Pablo Elvira, um, you name it. The, the top of the top, uh, I have been having the privilege to be singing with them, which is uh, a great accomplishment to myself. Yeah, those are some big names. thing to my career. Yeah, they're big names. Mm -hmm. If you know the world of opera, Right. I'm quoting, you know, the top of the top. Sure, sure. Yeah, and of course, who doesn't know Pavarotti? I mean, my goodness. Uh, which right. he, He's been gone for a while now. But it, to me, it's interesting to me, and that, that'll segue a little bit into voice, because I had heard him in his later years. I think he died like 71, something like that, if I remember right. Correct. But, Correct. But his voice did not, in my opinion, again, I'm in, I, I mean, I'm a singer, but I'm not classically trained like you. Um, but in my opinion, his voice hardly waned. I mean, I just, he still had extreme power behind his voice. Yes. Yes. The, one of the things that we have, the, the technique that we use, which is called bel canto, B-E-L, in other words, C-A-N-T-O, which means beautiful singing in English, bel mm -hmm. canto, beautiful singing. It's a technique that doesn't allow your voice to age. Because you're trying to use a lighter and brighter sound. You're not trying to use a darker or heavy sound. We use a lot of muscles in your throat, which means if you use a lot of muscles in your throat and not using your vocal organs correctly, that's going to put miles in your voice and it's going to you know, make your voice rougher mm -hmm. uh, because there's so much tension in your throat. So we try to avoid that, putting tension in any part of your throat. We try to use the vocal organs, and the vocal cords are just there to let the sure. air go through right. and produce a sound. Right. So we try not to use other muscles. And by creating a brighter 
and lighter uh, tone in your voice. Your voice doesn't age. Your mm. voice still fresh. And that's the reason we can get to our 70s, sometimes 80s, and singing as healthy as you can. The body cannot take the the strain and the force of you know standing for so many hours and things like that. But your lungs, your and your vocal organs are fresh, and you'll be able to sing for a long time if you want it. So that's the reason, like Placido Domingo, he's just turning 76 this year, and he's still singing uh, prime roles, you know, uh, title roles that are very difficult even for a young guy of my age mm -hmm. to sing. And they are singing it because the technique, the, the, the way we produce the sound so your voice doesn't age. Right, and I, I tell people too, I said, look, your voice is not uh, like a guitar string where you can just change it, you know? You can't, you can't just, uh, I, I don't think I've ever heard of a vocal fold uh, transplant. Uh, so I said, uh -huh. you, get, you get nodes on them, and uh, you know as well as I do, we heard many singers like, I know that uh, Adele had some surgery, uh, Elton John had some surgery on his, and his hasn't been quite the same ever. But uh, I think mm -hmm. Adele's turned out okay. But, you know, it's it's very delicate, isn't it? Yeah. it's uh, Even Adele, I, you can hear that when I hear her, mm -hmm. you know, she's a great artist, but I can hear that the voice has uh, some... Um, residuals of that surgery mm. and that is uh irrevocable that will never be the same right uh, and you can hear that her range has been affected by that mm. because there's some uh coloring some uh, timbre and and tones in her voice that are too dark because the freshness and uh and the quality of her normal voice is gone because the damage she did she was, you know, blessed with good doctor that she's still been doing her career. But mm -hmm. in the case of other singer, you know, it, it's very hard. They lose their range. Mm -hmm. Julie Andrews is the, oh. one of the greatest example. Oh, my know. gosh, exactly. I was going to mention never came her. back because, yeah, because it, it was tough. So all those things happen when you're using too much muscle in the producing of your sound. So at one point, you know, when you sing every day, if you're not singing properly and correctly, you're going to damage your vocal organs. Mm -hmm. And, and the, what is happening is when you're using your muscles in your, in, your, in your neck, those muscles swell because it's like other muscles that when you put in exercise, when you're lifting weight, your muscles is going to swell, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's working out. So when you're using your muscles in your throat, they swell and they make pressure to your vocal organs and the vocal organ compress and then you're, vocal cords start touching each other we call that rasping because mm -hmm. they are rasping against each other okay and by doing that when you sing every day that raps keep going right there so it's like you put your two fingers and you you know rasping to you you're going to develop what mm -hmm. you're going to develop something right there we call that nodule of polyps in mm -hmm. the vocal cords right so then you need a lot of rest but because this artist has contracts and things like that, they just keep singing. Mm -hmm. And they, just, they create like in a scarf in right. their vocal organs and sure. vocal cords, which is natural. Right. And then if you, wrote, if you don't sing for a year, they go away. But if you keep singing, then they, they get bigger and they get mm -hmm. stronger. And then they don't go away unless, you know, you take a long time or period to, to rest your voice. Sometimes not even talking. 
Right. So that is because you are using your muscles improperly. So the majority of these singers, they are very gifted, but their skills are not as well to maintain the roughness and uh, and uh, the singing that they have to do. That's what I say to people in church. You know, people in church, they got problems singing because they sing on Sunday and rehearse on Thursday. Mm-hmm. And by doing it for two days, you know, you, you see them drinking water all the time. Mm-hmm. When you're drinking water, it's a sign that you're doing something correctly. Mm-hmm. Because when you're singing correctly, your muscles should not get dehydrated uh-huh. because you're not using them. Good point. So when you see people drinking a lot of water, it's a more, it's a more a mental thing mm-hmm. just to feel safe. Mm-hmm. But you're not doing nothing well because water doesn't go into your vocal organs. Because your vocal organs are in the pipe that goes to your lung. Mm. And the water goes to the pipe that goes to your stomach. So mm. you feel good for, for one or two minutes, but then it comes right. to drying it back again. Interesting. So when you're using an incorrect technique, that's what happened. Mm-hmm. When you're doing a correct technique, you probably doesn't drink so much water when you sing. As a matter of fact, we don't drink water a lot when when we are singing. We hydrate before. You hydrate before, And during yeah. the performing, I, I might take a sip every hours of things like that mm-hmm. but not not because i'm dry just because i i i just want to drink a little water right? i think the important thing I, usually my concerts i don't drink water at all i don't I drink see. water at all interesting now how do you as far as for the body you do you hydrate i mean during the day i mean how much do you hydrate yes yeah i mean well, because like it's... the day before yes no, go ahead. like the day before i drink like uh you know half of my weight Mm-hmm. you know which is a lot <laughs> and then the day of the performance i drink water that i'm going to the bathroom like every 30 minutes yeah, right. yeah, so yeah, i sure. know that i'm that I, that that's to give you and then i stop like an hour before i go into the stage i stop uh, uh drinking water i don't warm up i'm not the guy that five hours later do an hour vocalizing and things like that i don't do that I just probably, when I stop drinking water and maybe 30 minutes before my performance, I do five minutes of warm-ups. Really? Just five minutes? Then I'm ready. Okay. Yep, five minutes because I'm going to be singing, uh, you know, for two hours. Now, how much, do you, will do- how much do you work your articulators? I mean, do you, do, you, do you work those quite a bit? No, I don't work nothing of that. Really? Because, yeah, right. Because if... And this is what I what I like to, to teach, you know. All those things are not important for singing. Because okay. the most important thing to sing is the air. Without mm. air, you cannot produce a sound. Right. So you can move your tongue, you can move your lips, you can lift your palate. That doesn't help you to, to do anything unless air it is exhaling or going out from your lungs. So I concentrate my column of air. I never have worked about my lips, my jaw, my palate, mm. my muscles in the throat. No, I never worry about those things. I, I, I think for me, those are gimmies that people try to use and things like that. And you can work on them, but if you don't know how to control your, your column of air that is escaping from your lungs, you will never achieve a good tone. So working your lips, your tongue, and things like that, uh, you know, you can do it, but if you don't learn to manage your column of air, you will never develop a good tone. You, you have just you have just blown so many people out of the water. I mean, I've heard so many 
coaches online and me too. I said, you got to work those articulators. So you're telling me mm-hmm. that it's not that important. It's the column no, of air. No, no. it's like to put it together, if you're going to walk, you don't need to warm up your, your arms. If you're going to walk, you don't need to warm up your jaw. If you're going to walk, you don't need to warm up your chest. You just need to <laughs> to start walking. Okay. And learn to keep the balance, you know? Okay. So so for me, all those things, it, you know, I don't I don't mind people working on that, but you're always gonna have the same struggle because you're not learning to control your mental uh the color of air, which is what affects all those problems. Once you learn to use the column of air properly, those things you don't even pay attention to them. They happen by organic process. Wow. They happen by because they balance. If you learn you control your uh, column of air when it's escaping, you don't have to worry about that. So I don't have time to concentrate on all those things what I'm singing. I just need to concentrate to put everything to one thought, and that is my column of air. So then I can abandon myself to the purity of the music and to do what I need to do with my song. And that will also preserve your voice for a lifetime. Yes, because, you know, many people, when they sing, they are yelling to you. Mm. You know, people like to sing with power. I call the way we sing, we call it with authority. You know, power is very, Mm. you feel it, right? Mm -hmm. The power is rumbling, it feels great and things like that. But the singing like that is almost like uh, you're talking louder. That's what you're doing. When you sing with power, what you're doing, you're talking louder. So if you and I here are talking, you know, in a higher decibel, like right now, if we are talking in a volume of two, and we start talking in a volume of eight, like this, hey, man, how are you going to do that? And 10 minutes later, I'm going to be, I'm going to be raspy, hoarse, mm-hmm. dry, and all those things, which is what happened to the majority of the people when they're singing. Mm-hmm. They sound very good the first five, 10 minutes. But 40 minutes later, you know, you can hear the escape of air in the voices and the raspiness, and mm-hmm. then they're drinking water and water sure. because they are yelling to you. Mm-hmm. So the good singing is like trying to sing as softer as you can. Mm-hmm. Now, when you do that, you don't feel no power, but then you will feel authority because you are controlling your voice. Your voice is not controlling you. So power is like this. If you see a train coming, right, it's very powerful. It rumbles, it shakes everything. Mm-hmm. But if I put in myself, you know, a police uniform and I go in front of that train because I have invested with a police uniform and I ask that train to stop, it's going to stop, right? Right. Before Power you... is going to always uh, stop or surrender to authority. Mm-hmm. So that's why God gives us power enough to use it in the context for singing you want to use the authority you don't want to use the power Mm. i know power feels like you are in control but really the voice is controlling you because uh 30 minutes later if you have to do two services in the day Mm -hmm. and the next day you're going to feel the consequence of doing yelling to the people so it is harder to sing softer because it requires skills Mm -hmm. so it's 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 easier to sing with volume because it, it only requires gift, not a skills. Right. That's so cool. Uh, man, a lot of information. That is, like I said, some of this stuff is just uh, totally contrary to what you'll hear on YouTube or whatever. But so, <laughs> Sorry. No, Sorry. <laughs> no, I respect your opinion like crazy, and I'm really start thinking about that, because I know that your lungs, 
Some people forget the reason you fill your diaphragm up because your lungs are so much bigger at the bottom, right? Right, exactly, because my breathing is from the bottom to the top. Like you feel a glass of water. You feel a glass of water from the bottom to the top. Many people, they only use the top part of their lungs when they're breathing in, and mm. that's the reason they are so much trouble managing that column of air that is escaping. Wow, that's so good. Well, let me ask you a few more questions, and we'll wrap this up. Um, I'm just kind of curious. What kind of music do you listen to? Any kind of music. I love any kind of music. You know, um, when I listen to classical music, I'm studying. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm listening to ideas. I'm listening to uh, precepts, you know, principles that will apply to, to my singing. When I'm listening to a, a trumpet player uh, playing a, a trumpet concert in classical music, I'm checking he's managing that column of air escaping from his lung, mm -hmm. his phrasing, uh, the different uh, shapes of, uh, of colors in the trumpet. Mm -hmm. So I listen to that when I'm listening to classical music, I'm just trying to study. But wow. when I listen to pop, country, bluegrass, jazz, it's I, I'm not trying to to look for for certain things that correctly or incorrectly. I just allow my brain to relax yep. and to enjoy music. That's the reason when I go to church and I'm listening to you guys, mm -hmm. I'm not there, you know, like making an outline of that they're doing this right, they're doing this wrong. Bruce, you were flat. I have, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm trained myself to be another person in the auditorium, enjoying your gift mm -hmm. and enjoying what you love to do. Sure. So I have learned to put like an off switch and really enjoy music because I don't want to get to be in, in a place that I cannot enjoy uh, when people are doing what they're doing, even if not in a level that that I'm, uh, you know, um, uh, more familiar to it. But then I can listen to everybody else in their in their levels and and enjoy what they're doing. So when I listen to classical, like I said, I'm. I'm really picky. I'm just right there. I'm writing. This is not right. This is okay. I can do this. No, don't do that. Right. But when I'm listening to you guys, pop, bluegrass, and anything, it's just for relaxation. That's it's right. like when I go to see a movie or things. I just mm -hmm. want to relax. Sure. And that's that's fantastic. You can just, yeah, exactly. Relax. You don't have to critique everything. You're just saying, hey, I'm, right. just, I'm just listening. Right. right. So when I see you on <laughs> Sunday, you know, I, I enjoy seeing you the passion that you have, the, your face, expressions, you know, the, the things that all you have on Sunday. And, and I love it because then I'm part of the of the worship with you guys. And, and I'm like a person that doesn't have no knowledge of music. I'm just another human being, mm -hmm. being, uh, you know, uh, caressed sure. by, your, by your singing. Well, it's certainly been a privilege singing alongside of you. And I know we did the Christmas program together. And um, I had a small part in, in, in the music, but you had you had a did a wonderful job on God bless us everyone. It was fantastic, mm -hmm. and I love that. Um, one more question: uh, How can our audience hear your singing? Well, uh, you can go to Google. You know my name, Carlos Seize. And, and that's spell Carlos. that for us. That's S E I S E. Yeah. 
Go ahead. Yes, that's my last name. S E I S E and Carlos C A R L O S. So Carlos Seize, and you can find me in all the social media platform, you know, YouTube, Spotify, uh, iTunes, Amazon, MP3, everywhere. My music is everywhere. So you can go there and you can give me the blessing to bless you while you are in your car or, you know, when you are in your home or, you know, just to allow me to, to create an environment that hopefully you will feel safe and, and it will, you know, encourage you to live life because, the reason I like my music to be out there because one time, I don't remember what well country I was, but I'm a son of God. I know that I can do what I was born to do. Mm-hmm. So I I wait. I saw that he was winning. He waited for 30 minutes until I was done with the people who wants to talk to me. So I went to him and I said, do you want to talk to me? I see you're waiting for me right there. I, I, do you have anything to talk to me or, or just standing on there? He said, no, no, I want to talk to you. And he said, thank you so much. And I said, well, you're welcome. Glad that you like the concert and things like that. And he said, I didn't understand nothing that you said. I didn't understand the songs. As a matter of fact, I didn't like the songs. And that hit my ego, right? Because I thought <laughs> he was waiting down there to tell me what a great singer you are and things like that. And mm. the guy said, I didn't even like what you sang. I didn't even like your songs. I didn't understand them. So then I said, okay, uh, forgive me for that. So why you want to talk to me? And he said, well, you see that bridge that is over there? It was a bridge like uh, maybe half a, uh, not half a mile, quarter mile from us. There's a big bridge. And he said, well, I was going to go to that bridge and I was going to jump and kill myself. Are you kidding me? But when I was walking, wow. I saw the passion that you have for what you were doing. I saw life in you. And I said, this guy that is down there, he has something that I have to learn from him mm. because he has like passion for what he's doing. And he has like a meaning to what he's doing. I am, I am empty. I don't have nothing of that. So I'm going to give this chance, this guy a chance to tell me why he has passion and why he's doing what he's doing and the way he's doing it. So he asked me that question. He said, my life is in your hands. Mm. Why you have so much passion and life and what you're doing? So then I understood that I was in a big trouble, what to say and how to answer that. And my response probably was very simple, but probably was very profound to him. And I just say to him, I'm doing this because I know I was born to do this. And because there's a purpose in my life to touch people like you that feel that there's nothing else in the world and that the world is an empty place and that the world is a very bad place to be. And I like to do this so I can encounter people like you. And just to give you a sense of that we always can look for mm. and we will find it. That's amazing. And he said, thank you so much. And then we stayed, you know, I invite him to go for dinner with me because I, I don't want him to be in that place. I took him for dinner and after two hours or things like that, 
I ask him if he wants to know Jesus and mm. if he wants Jesus to be his Lord. And he accepted Jesus as his Savior, <laughs> and then his God. entire family accepted Jesus. Wow. Today he's a pastor, <laughs> so I feel very, very good about it. So that gave me a certainty what was my calling, mm -hmm. and that's the reason I like to put my music everywhere I can, because if I can change the life of a human being of 8.2 billion people that are on Earth, I did my job. Mm -hmm. And if that's the only thing I have to do for my entire life, just to save that life from going to to a worse place, I feel very good that I did my purpose. Yeah. If only I change one life exactly. in 8.2 billion people on Earth. That's incredible. That What a story. That is just amazing. Here a guy was ready to end it all, and mm -hmm. he heard, heard your passion, and you had that yes. opportunity to, to, to yeah, lead him to lead him, Lord. You said it well. He didn't hear my voice. He, he saw my passion. <laughs> your passion. That's incredible. <laughs> that is so fantastic. Yes. Well, thank you yeah. for sharing that, Carlos. And thank you for all the the great information on the voice and your story. Uh, continued blessing on you as you continue to uh, to do your work, the work for God that that He you know, He's called you to do. And um, I just uh, mm -hmm. really appreciate you joining us, and um, it's been a wonderful uh, an experience. Um, I would like to ask you one more question, and that is the Michigan trivia question. And uh, that is, the Michigan State bird, which one is it? Is it the robin, the blue jay, or the cardinal? Robin. It's the robin. Yes, you're right. I think so. Yes, it is the robin. That is correct. You are right. The robin is, it was designated as the state bird in 1931 after an election held by the Michigan Audubon Society. And that is cited by Grandpa yeah. Shorters. So, yes, it was the robin. Yeah. Well, thanks again, Carlos. Appreciate it, my friend. And I will uh, see you soon at church. And uh, it's been a privilege uh, talking with you. Uh, the interview and thank you everyone for joining us and remember keep listening and keep learning i'm bruce with input gr you have a blessed day